Adam Crowley Show. Sidney Crosby got rubbed by the glove on power play. And they're... That's it, Rob. You guys looked at each other like I said, Rob. Yeah, and then you added by the glove. Oh, you got rubbed by the glove? You're going to have to yank that one, Tom. Please go ahead and pull that for me. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Oh my God! It's time. Three short hours of work left for me, and then it's college football Saturday. Here's my routine I wake up in the morning, I drink a cup of coffee, I take a poop, and then I watch college game day until noon kick. I'll have bet on at least four of the noon kick games. None of them will have meant anything to me otherwise. I will be bleep-faced by 3.30 when West Virginia kicks off, and I will not have paid any attention whatsoever to the pit score. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom behind the glass. Check them out on Twitter at FBomber73 at ButtonPusher970. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Plenty of college football to get to on today's program. Alan Saunders is going to break down Pitt coming up at 540. At 5 o'clock, Fat Jack from FatJack.com will be on to Handicap. Some of the games. Who should we bet on? Who should I bet on? We finally have ball to talk about. Dale Lolly will talk to us about that meaningless fourth preseason game from last night coming up at 4.20. I get it. It's a Stillers town. It's not a huge college football town. Today's program will reflect that for the most part, and that's why I start right here. With telling you that the backup quarterback is important. Yes, I know in this town, you care about the minutiae. You care so much about how many quarterbacks the Steelers are going to keep on the roster. And you care desperately about what the fate of young Josh Dobbs will be. And I'm here to tell you, Dobbs will be okay if he doesn't make the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll get to that coming up in a second. Here's why backup quarterback's important. My young friend, my compadre, young Wesley Euler was filling in for Stan Saverin today, and he said if a quarterback goes down, Ben Roethlisberger he meant, Steelers are effed anyway. Yeah, that ain't true. If he goes down for the season, yeah, they're screwed. If he goes down for six or seven games, yeah, they're screwed. What if he goes down for one or two? I trust Landry Jones, and here's why. In 2010, the Steelers went to the Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger was suspended the first four games. They went 3-1 and one with an array of veteran backup quarterbacks. If they go 2-2, two and two, they don't wind up winning the division. If they go 1-3, and three, they don't make the playoffs. Having a veteran backup who knows how to win football games is important. It hasn't happened at any other time in the franchise's history, though, has it? Oh, wait! Yes, it has. In 2008... The Steelers beat the 6-1 and Redskins with Byron Leftwich as quarterback. Byron, formerly of Jacksonville, a longtime NFL vet. Not a guy who was coming in and throwing his first NFL pass. Dobbs would be. Rudolph would be. The Steelers won that game. If they don't, they don't win the division. They go 11-5 and instead of 12-4. and They don't wind up winning the Super Bowl because they 
have to go to Tennessee, a team that drubbed them at the end of the regular season, or they find a way to beat them but have to go to Baltimore in the AFC Championship game instead of Baltimore coming to Pittsburgh. Baltimore and the Steelers that year were toyed. Blade of grass here or there in each of the games could have gone the other way. The AFC Championship game was the largest margin of victory, nine by the Steelers, but with about four minutes left, the Ravens were driving down two with the football. If that's at home, maybe Flacco doesn't throw the ball to Troy Polamalu. Byron Leftwich helped the Steelers win a Super Bowl. It probably didn't happen any other time in Steelers' playoff history, though, or Steelers' history, did it? Oh, wait! Yes, it did. In 2005, the Steelers needed to win their last five games to make the playoffs. They then had to win their next four games to win the Super Bowl. Batch, you know who he is. He was on KDKA last night. He'll be on the Steelers postgame show with Stan Saverin, but long before he was an analyst, he was a backup quarterback. That dude, that weirdo from Homestead, beat Green Bay and Cleveland. And the Steelers made the playoffs by the skin of their teeth. If they lose either of those games, if they lose to Brett Favre in Lambeau Field, they don't make the playoffs, they don't win the Super Bowl, and there's no six Lombardi trophies for your Pittsburgh Steelers. There is no stairway to seven. Charlie Batch beat Brett Flippin' Favre. You need a guy who's capable of doing that. A couple of years ago, Landry Jones came in, and he beat the Arizona Cardinals. The Steelers don't make the playoffs if they don't beat the Cardinals in that game. Michael Vick got dust in his eye, they said. I think he had a concussion. Landry Jones comes in, plays out of his ever-loving mind in the second half, and the Steelers beat the Cardinals, go on to the playoffs for the first time in a couple of years. The backup quarterback position is important, especially if you want to win now. If you're a bad team, if you're the Browns, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is. You want to give the young guy the reps. These aren't the Pittsburgh Pirates. This isn't September call-ups. This isn't the Cleveland Browns. You don't need to give young guys reps. You don't need to give Josh Dobbs an opportunity. No, you need to win another damn Super Bowl before Le'Veon Bell and his ass are out of town. Do you trust Josh Dobbs as the backup quarterback? Ask yourself that question. Look deep within yourself. And you know the answer to be true. Oh, hell no. Do you trust Mason Rudolph at this point? Oh, hell no. He's been worse than Dobbs in the preseason. You don't trust either of them. You think you do. You love watching Dobbs run around last night and be all athletic and dive into the end zone on a couple of occasions. But those were against guys who are either going to be selling insurance or doing radio like me in the near future. Dobbs should tear them up. Rudolph should tear them up. You know it to be true. And the Steelers aren't going to keep four quarterbacks. They also don't need to do anything for Josh Dobbs. Good for him to ball out yesterday. Claps all around for Mr. Josh Dobbs. Way to put up, buddy. His pro football career in Pittsburgh and elsewhere was on the line. And he went out there and he had a hell of a game. But the Steelers don't owe him anything. And yeah, they'll lose him eventually, whether it's on cuts on Saturday or they'll keep him around to Le'Veon Bell's here and then he'll be the guy that gets cut or they'll hope that he can get traded in that period of time. But he's not going to wind up being a Pittsburgh Steeler. 
And they'll lose that draft pick, that fourth-round pick that they spent on him. But that's okay. Draft picks don't work out all the time. He did. He's just not the fit anymore. Mason Rudolph has starter potential. Landry Jones is a very good backup in this league. Josh Dobbs probably has number two potential. Ride with the guys you have. Say see you later to Dobbs. And if Ben Roethlisberger goes down for a game or two, give it to, aw, shucks, Landry Jones, and have him slang the rock like he's in Oklahoma. That gives the Steelers the best chance to win. And as I mentioned, it is important. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. 412-922-2874. I spent a decent amount of time the other day talking about Penn State's football schedule and Pitt fans bitching and moaning and crying and wailing, oh my God, our rival, they don't want to play us anymore. But there's an angle that I definitely left on the table. Pitt's schedule. And that doesn't sound sexy, but it's because it isn't. Here's what Pitt needs to do. Instead of scheduling Oklahoma State, instead of scheduling UCF, instead of scheduling Penn State, Penn State makes sense, so I'll leave them off. But instead of scheduling those other teams that are going to drub you, instead of losing by 40 points to Oklahoma State, schedule the little sisters of the poor. If Pitt had scheduled one of those crap teams last year, they're in a bowl game, which brings money into the university. There's an extra game to watch. But instead, they wind up losing to Oklahoma State. Pitt's not contending for a national championship. Why does their strength of schedule need to be hard? Pitt's not trying to get into the college football playoff. Why do they need to boost their resume? They need to win the ACC division that they're in, the Coastal. And then they need to move from there. Playing a tough non-conference schedule does nothing for them in that regard. Now, you could say it helps the attendance. Does it? Does it really? Tom, you were at the Oklahoma State Pitt game last year, were you not? Yeah, there was so many people in yellow shirts in that stadium. There were. So if you're going to schedule these big-time programs, a Big 12 program, if you're going to schedule the national champions, UCF, you're doing it to get people in the Heinz field. You're doing it to create a buzz, to create a draw. It doesn't work. Notre Dame always works. And they're built in now with the ACC schedule. Penn State always works. West Virginia always works. Those teams, they draw when Pitt plays them. Florida State, those kind of things, but they're in conference. When Clemson comes to town, I'm sure that'll be a great crowd, too. But if you schedule some random non-conference foe just to have scheduled a random non-conference foe, you better sure as hell have people show up. Because if they're not, you better sure as hell win the game. There is no reason for Pitt to go out and schedule a murderer's row. And their schedule's one of the toughest, if not the toughest, in the entire country this year. The hell's that about? Penn State makes sense because you will sell the stadium out and your football program will get a boost. And your fans will be fired up and they'll wave the flag. A couple years ago when that game came back, it's the only time I can ever recall pit fan flags being flown all around town. It's the only time I can recall that. You go to Morgantown for a game against Villanova, and there's flags everywhere. You go up to State College, they've got kidnapped children from Pitt and from Ohio State. They have them tied up in the back of cars. Pitt's fan base gets fired up for Penn State. Pitt's fan base gets fired up for West Virginia. Pitt's fan base gets fired up for regional rivals. They don't get fired up for Oklahoma State. They're not going to get fired up for UCF, although that game's on the road. 
Here's one way you do fire up a fan base. You win. And at the end of the season, when West Virginia had 10 wins a couple years ago, did I care that one of those games was against Georgia Southern? No, you forget, because you look at the win-loss total, and if the number on the left is a lot bigger than the number on the right, you're feeling pretty good about yourself regardless of who you played. Alabama played Mercer last year. Win games. You want to sell Heinz Field out? You want to come close? You want to get 50,000 people in there? Win games. Put up eight, nine wins a season. Fudge it a little bit. Baylor did it for years. They'd play three awful teams. Washington did it two years ago, and they went wound up going to the playoff. Everyone's talking about Penn State. Oh, they're running from te- they're running from Pitt. They're playing Temple. They're not doing the right thing. Pitt should play Temple. Those are the teams they should be playing. If you are not a national championship contender, if you don't have a groundswell of a fan base that's getting rabid and fired up for a game and for a season. Give them that gaudy win-loss total at the end of the year, then maybe next year they'll be fired up. I'm rooting for the Yankees now. Does that make me evil? Kind of. I can't even look at Brian right now. Andrew McCutcheon wearing the pinstripes. Have you seen the pictures? That might be my new Twitter picture. I change it all the time to troll the masses, to get you snowflakes all riled up. Andrew McCutcheon in pinstripes, along with, guess who, Neil Walker, Of course I'm going to root for them to win the World Series. I'm an Indians fan, so everything on the table apart from them winning will hurt. It'll hurt deeply. But I got to root for my Kutch. I got to root for my Walker. How could I not root for those guys? Do you root for them? The Pirates aren't in it. I'm sure you have some rooting interest. Wouldn't it be sick to see Andrew McCutcheon get what he deserves? Because what he deserves is a World Series ring on his finger. He made this town a baseball town again. He got the Pirates to the playoffs for three years. He won an MVP. Some schlub on Twitter said, I'm part of the problem for rooting for the Yankees. Hey, eat me. Andrew McCutcheon gave baseball back to me. I had season tickets since 2005. You know how many winning seasons I saw until 2013? Uh, zero. McCutcheon brought you three in a row. How can I not root for him? How can I not root for Neil Walker? He's from Pittsburgh, you know. Let's go, Yankees. Let's go, pinstripes. I'm buying a hat. Oh, jeez. I'm buying a hat. Dude. It's a great logo. This takes sickens me. Sickens me. I'm going to root for my guy. You can root for your guy, but not for the Yankees. Really? See, baseball anymore doesn't have the Yankees... On the pedestal that they used to be, I don't think. They're still there, I guess, but there are other teams atop that pedestal, too. The Red Sox, they can spend with them. The Dodgers, they can spend with them. They're just one of many. But the Yankees. Let's go, Yanks! The Yankees. Really? They do have really nice uniforms. I mean, they just look great. The whites? Professional. Very professional. The home whites. No names on the back because their fans are so smart, they don't even need the names. And it's classy, too. It's kind of a high class. You can cut at the plate without getting behind the Yankees. No, impossible. Go Yanks. I'm going to. Hey, Kutch is up. Go Kutch. Hope you get a hit, base hit, maybe a home run. Hope it's not too important to send the Yankees, like, through the wild card. Hope that doesn't happen. But hey, hope you do well, Kutch. Oh, we're, the Yankees. We're catching the Red Sox, Brian. What do you mean? We, yes, we are. We are catching. Well, we're mean, catching we? Oaks. What is this? We? There's no wild card here. We're Neither catching. Neither of the you Sox. are on mm-hmm. the team. Neither. We are now. My heart is on the team. It's Cutch and Walker. You guys want to know what I'm doing tonight? 
I'm yanking it for the Yankees. Hell yeah. Coming up next, That's Dale Lawley. That's the most appropriate thing you've said through this entire take. That makes the most sense right there. Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com and the Steelers Radio Network is going to join to talk about Josh Dobbs. What are the possibilities? Are there any besides him getting cut? We'll see. That's next, ESPN Pittsburgh. Adam Crowley. Come with me and you'll see. It's a world filled with all the meat that you want. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Josh Dobbs impressive for the last time as a Pittsburgh Steeler. He wonders aloud, although he thinks he knows the answer. Dale Lally knows all the answers from DKPittsburghSports.com and the Steelers Radio Network. Lolly, good afternoon. This is Steve. You son of a bitch. I'm so mad at you for doing that the other day. You <laughs> infiltrated our highly touted security system, and you somehow breached it and found your way onto the air to say Will Greer sucks. I will not tolerate that on my radio program. I know the, the secret passageways in. Yeah, right up Tom's backside, apparently. There's a real breakdown on Tom's part there. He let me click you right through. He has full power to nix that, and he didn't do it. Dale, Josh Dobbs, how long is he a stealer? How much longer, I guess, is the better way of phrasing it. About 24 hours. You think there's a chance that he's the dude who gets kept around until Le'Veon Bell gets here to be the cut so that they can explore a trade option for him? They don't have to cut anybody to Le'Veon Bell has to be on the active roster. Oh, that's right. That's right. So there's, there's uh, no, I guess there's the dates the dates would coincide when he'd sign to come in. I thought there might be a couple of days overlap. I guess there could be, depending on how long it takes Bell to get in here. Right. I mean, but he has to be on the fifty-three man to start the season. So correct. And then he has. Then you have to put him on some kind of list. I see. I see. see this is you why you never want to be on a list. No, you don't, uh, Schindler's or otherwise. This is why you infiltrate our systems, because we allow you to, because we need your information. I thought he balled out last night, man, and it was it was honestly awesome to see. It made me want to watch that game because I didn't have any other reason to watch it. I mean, I was doing the post-game show, but I didn't have a reason that I wanted to watch it. He entertained me, and I, I think he could be a good backup in this league. It's just not going to happen here. Yeah, I mean, I was looking around at some of the other scores from around the league, and I'm thinking, well, this is a pretty meaningless game I'm watching here, but at least there is some entertainment value. Um, the thing people have to remember about Josh Dobbs is that he has not been on the field with a single uh, defensive starter from another team in this entire preseason. Pretty much, for, actually, for his entire career, uh, if you go back to last year as well. So, yeah, he looked good, and he was out there with, you know, Steeler backup type players, and that's that's good. I'm, I'm glad for Josh Dobbs. He's a nice young man, um, but you know, you know what the reality is, and the reality is that they're not going to keep four quarterbacks. That's highly unlikely. Nobody has done that. Uh, nobody did it last year. Half the teams kept two quarterbacks last year. So, but there could be some trade value out there for it, and he may have improved that with his performance yesterday. But it was just last year people were questioning that pick. <laughs> Hey, he stinks. Oh, he can't, you know. Now all of a sudden he's the he's the anointed uh, savior of the city or something. I don't know. And the same people who are out there saying, oh, now they need to trade uh, you know, Landry Jones, 
These are the people that are all, they've all been saying that Landry Jones stinks. He can't play. But now somebody's going to give you something for him. In their convoluted minds. I, I don't get it. This... Landry Jones is going to be the backup here. Um, ben trusts him. Uh, the coaching staff trusts him. The other players trust him. And, oh, by the way, he had a pretty good preseason, too. He was 10 for 13 in the preseason. You know what, Dale? If I'm Carolina, I put some sort of black bag over Dobbs's head and take him out of the stadium last night. I put him in a room somewhere, convince him that he's a Carolina Panther because their backups stink. I, I do think there's a chance someone would trade for him. Would you, would you care to throw a percentage on that, Dale? How much value do you think that he carries around the league, maybe? I mean, I think if the ask is, you know, a seventh rounder, yeah. uh, you know, conditionally that, you know, he makes your roster, he's on the active, you know, whatever it would be, at least you're getting something in return for him. You know, people need to realize, and you've heard this all along, oh, that was a wasted pick then since they took Mason Rudolph. They didn't know they were going to have the availability to, or the, the possibility of drafting Mason Rudolph this year. They got him in the third round. I mean, that, that was a steal in my eyes, and it still is. And, you know, so you, you probably should take a quarterback almost every year once your quarterback hits 35 anyways, once your starter does. I mean, because you're going to replace those guys, and those guys have some value if they play well. Dale, the new take out there is, well, if Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt, well, the season's over anyhow. Oh, really? Was it over in 2005, 2008, and 2010 when the Steelers went to the Super Bowl every year after having a backup quarterback win some games? Right. Nor was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. It was the Japanese. You just completely missed that movie reference. No, I nailed it. Not that I'm surprised. I've seen Animal House, okay, Dale? I know of what you are referring. I think backup quarterbacks are incredibly valuable, and especially whenever you have a team that is maybe this close to the window closing. With Ben Roethlisberger not knowing how long he's going to play, with Le'Veon Bell walking out at the end of the year, if Landry Jones plays for two games, they're still a playoff team. If he plays for four games, I think they're still a playoff team. Uh, if it's Dobbs or Mason Rudolph, they've never thrown an NFL freaking pass before in the regular season. I can't believe people are are looking at the future as if there's Pirates fans or something here. It's about now, baby. You'll find another Dobbs another time. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's Dobbs wasn't highly touted coming out of college or anything like that. He was he's a fourth round draft pick. Yeah, he went to a crap and, school. No, he went to a school that's probably going to win tomorrow. Ah, so. crap school, Tennessee. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I, this whole you know keep this guy or that guy cut cut the, all these backup guys because they're not going to you know they're not they're not any good and these guys have promise. This is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. They're not going to they're not going to simply you know cut guys loose just to, to to develop guys. That's not how this works. And, and oh by the way, you know people are I, I don't get it. Like you want the Steelers will keep some guys who are simply special teams players. Mm-hmm. The Tyler Matakaviches and, and, and Darius Hayward Bay. And, and fans will kill them for that. Bill Belichick does that every year. He keeps like six guys who do nothing but play special teams. Matthew, Matthew, uh, uh, Slater has been in the league for like 13 years. I don't think he has a catch, but he's good at special teams. So they keep him around. They have a bunch of those guys every year. Now everybody wants to tell me how smart Bill Belichick is. When he does it, it's genius. And when the Steelers want to do it, with some of their guys, oh, well, you can't do that. You gotta, you gotta have these developmental guys. 
Dale Lolly, DKPittsburghSports.com, and the Steelers Radio Network joining me here on the Crowley Show. When you look at outside linebacker, Dale, who you got making the team? Uh, Ola just keeps on flashing, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's on my roster. He was on my roster before last night's game, and that just solidified things. Now, we don't know how bad the uh, the hamstring injury is. Um, that could affect things a little bit in terms of how many they keep. Uh, but my latest 53-man uh, roster, I only kept four. Um, you know, I, I just think it, a lot depends on, on what happens with, with uh, a Denny. But, um, you know, I like Keon Adams. I like Ferentz and Hugan. Um, but... You know, I don't know how much they're going to help you on special teams. Uh, I'd much rather keep some other guys that I know can help me on special teams and, you know, roll the dice with getting one of those guys onto the practice squad. I mean, Huguenin was there last year, all last year, and nobody, nobody touched him, and he had three shots last preseason. So it is what it is. Anything odd to take from Javon Hargrave playing as much as he did? Yeah, I thought that was a little strange, and Bostic was out there as well. Um but, I, you know, I think they just want him getting as much playing time as possible. Um, you know, I mean, in the defense, I guess. And, and McCullers played a little bit, but, he's, you know, he's been banged up the last couple weeks. Um, and the other guys really have, have done nothing to justify any playing time. That doesn't mean that you, you know, expose your starting nose tackle to, uh, to additional snaps. But I just think that, you know, you get Javon Hargrave, is coming from a small school. Um, you know, I don't know what kind of coaching he got in South Carolina State, but he's played a lot of football. Um, but even with, like, for example, Stephon Tuitt, talking to him, um, you know, you're talking about a guy who's only played basically 10 years of football and has always gotten by on just being bigger and stronger than everybody else. Well, right. Last year he wasn't. Last year he had to rely more on technique, and he found that it was a little bit lacking. Well, that may be the case with Javon Hargrave as well right now, where they're looking at this and going, Javon, you've gotten by because you've got that super quick first step. But now we want you to diagnose things a little bit more and be the straw that kind of stirs the drink. So we're going to leave you out there with some of these guys who you know aren't as good as you, and we want you to dominate. And, and I thought that he played pretty well last night. Dale Lally joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Dale, in terms of diagnosing plays, uh, you, you look at Matthew Thomas and the guy's got all kinds of ability. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Williamson and I were talking last night on the postgame show about his change of direction, maybe not being as good as you'd want it to be, but I, I think a lot of that actually comes from his inability at this point to diagnose. I think he's still thinking out there, but he's definitely on everyone's 53 man, including the Steelers, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, if they had to cut the 45, he would be on there. And, nice. You know, that, that's just... Uh... You know, Williamson said he only got the he got his fifty one. Well, you don't get to keep fifty one; you got to keep fifty three. So, uh, there's some tough decisions that have to be made. But did Matt you Thomas, did you yell at him today the, about that? By the way, I know you and Williamson I are did, boys. Actually, yeah, because you can't just keep fifty one; you got to keep. That's the whole problem. You know, the process here. You got to do fifty three. I want to keep fifty four. Can I keep fifty four if he keeps fifty one? You can keep fifty seven. How about that, Hines? Yes. Dale, I appreciate the time as always, my friend. West Virginia's going to win this weekend, and Pitt's going to suffer a crushing loss to Albany. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Well, the second thing won't. Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You will be the one for me. Coming up next, last night during the broadcast, we were talking about ways to fix 
the fourth preseason game. I'll also tell you how to fix college football week one, and we give our playoff time capsule and Pitt, Penn State, and West Virginia predictions for the upcoming college football season. You're listening to The Crowley Show. The Adam Crowley Show. Maybe I decide those teats don't need milking. Oh, it's close. That was close. Maybe I decide those teats don't need milking. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The others don't need a squeezing. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You will be the one for me. I thought yesterday's preseason game number four was eminently watchable. And they're usually not. All right, let me rephrase that. I feel like the first half was watchable. When Josh Dobbs was slanging the rock, when Josh Dobbs was making guys miss one-on-one, when Josh Dobbs was scampering into the end zone, I was entertained by that. I was also entertained by Mason Rudolph getting absolutely friggin' slammed after he crossed the goal line on the two-point conversion. But in most cases, preseason game number four sucks. It is not watchable. It's horrendous. And last night during the broadcast, Brian LaMartina, who's sitting across from me, and Shirtless Tom, who's beyond the glass, they were talking about how to fix preseason game number four, how to make it more exciting. The solution? Cut players as the game's going on. I love it. How cool would it be? I love it. You get graphics up, you know, a little like side shot of like the disappointment, like all the drama of pure reality show. You know what they have on PTI? They've got that rundown on the side. <laughs> yeah. They should have that with the with the ninety man rosters, and then just X's over the oh, names yeah. they get put out. Like you roll out the bubble players, you know, and you just like you cross them out as they go. Yes, oh, so good. I want to see a helicopter come in and then throw the players who were cut into the helicopter, never to have to see them again. Lift them out, yeah. But do they, do they give them like a big X or something? Like here, carry this off. Like they got to ring a bell when they walk off the field, like a Navy SEAL quitting or something. I think you do like the CIA thing where you just pull the bag over their head and they have no idea where they're gonna wind up. <laughs> now, in reality, you just drop them off at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex, but. I want them to be a little bit nervous. Yeah. Van comes out on the field, bag overhead, drag him into the van, van takes off. They don't even see it coming. Nate Burhey misses a tackle, <laughs> and all of a sudden he's getting dragged off yes, the field yes, by CIA yes, operatives. Yes. I'm totally down for that. How would that not be more interesting than what they've got right now? The problem is you'd probably run out of players by the end of the game, but at that point, it'll be like Harry Potter catching the snitch. I say you just end it. Yeah, you schedule the thing so you can get your max value out of the TV ad dollar. You know, so you just stretch that out. You don't want to maybe do two or three at once. Like in another five minutes, here comes some cuts. Yes. And then, like, the teams come out and they're bagging them up and taking them out. Two-minute warning, halftime, quarter breaks. Yeah. I feel like you could divvy it up. How about you have the vans circling the field as the game's going on so there's just this ominous presence of, like, just the vans that are always there, but... Then the clock winds down, 10, 9, 8, 7. All of a sudden, that hits zero, and they just come out, and they just already have a predetermined target that they're cutting. Now, there are some big boys out there that are going to be cut, so I think the way you got to do this is around the outside of the field, I'm thinking moat. 
Big moat. Big moat. And then just inside the ring of the moat, you have the Humvees or whatever it was <laughs> circling the field so that they can take these guys and put them in their transports. <laughs> I like the idea of snipers with stun guns on the top of the yeah. stadium. Let's like keep everyone honest. Yeah, just little stun pellets. Guy go, guy, <laughs> dropped, uh, dropped reception. Bam. Done. He's, he's always, out. He's, he's done. Right. Juju yeah. Smith-Schuster. He yeah. gets lit up. Yeah. You could even take it one step further and let the fans get involved. Let them take the shot. Yes. Yeah. Fan gets to decide who he wants to cut. Put a quarter in. <laughs> oh, my God. Be careful, Landry. Landry, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Landry would be standing on the sideline holding his little quarterback notebook, his little clipboard, talking to Ben Roethlisberger, and all of a sudden you get a dart in the side of his neck. He gets dragged off the field by one of the Steelers Nation Unite people. Yeah, they'd go down by seven, and Tomlin would have to, like, build a bunker. Like, oh, my God, it's lost. There's no way we could ever win again. We're down by seven in preseason four. Tomlin always talks about surviving the stadium, yeah. getting out of the stadium alive. Well, now he's telling the truth. Yeah. That makes preseason game number four better. You know what I want to do? Williamson says this all the time, but I'm stealing it and improving it. Minor league football. Where are you? You don't need preseason games if you got minor league football. Yep. Hey, minor league football, start the season a little bit earlier. Maybe Ben Roethlisberger gets a few reps there. But then you've got a legit other roster that you can pull players off of. You can expand the draft. That'd be amazing. And then you can get rid of these playoff, or these non-playoff, these very far from playoff fourth preseason games. That's a serious suggestion. And are you telling me people won't watch it if they televise it? Come on. They will love it. They will absolutely love it. People buy into anything football. Anything football. And especially if you can, for your fantasy team, okay, now I've got three minor league NFL players that I could pick as my keepers that we can see jettison through the ranks. And you only need one team per NFL team. You don't need to do single A, double A, triple A. No. Give them one team. Put them in Morgantown. Put them... In Pittsburgh, doesn't matter. Play at Heinz Field. I don't care. Find a spot for him. Play at that stupid Highmark Stadium where Dale Lawley's looking out from his DK Studios. Play it there, but do it. And these players can then get better. There are definitely players, people out there in this world that can play in the NFL that don't. Uh, I mean, Terrence Garvin almost didn't make any NFL roster. He was invited to rookie camp and found a way to make the Steelers and stick around in the league for a little while. You don't hear that happening all that often, though. I mean, there are the stories, but there are other guys out there that are like Terrence Garvin that have given a bigger opportunity could be better than him. So I think it behooves everyone. That's the serious suggestion. If that doesn't work, shooting darts in Landry Jones' neck from the 500 level, from the bleachers. (laughs) Someone comes down and chloroforms him, just drags him off the field. You're done. That's entertainment, you know? It's like Hunger Games meets the National Football League. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, NFL, college, doesn't matter. Football's violent. Tom and I flipped on the UConn and UCF Southern Conflict game yesterday. <laughs> Southern Conflict. So dumb. And the first thing that happened on a kickoff was a guy gets carted off the field. And yeah, it was, was it was just football's back. <laughs> uh, there's, football is back, and so are the bad things. All right, Tom, let's record this here, okay? Because this is a time capsule. Oh, you want me to start recording now? At the end of the season, 
whenever I'm right and you guys are wrong with your picks, uh-huh. I want to be able to go back to this and say, wow, look how dumb you both look. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. I definitely do. want to go back and point out how dumb one of us was. Yes, definitely how dumb you were, Tom. Yes, mm-hmm. you. So without further ado, we pick our Pitt, Penn State, West Virginia records in our playoff teams. I'll go first. We'll just go one after another, and then we'll state our cases and discuss after the fact. I got Pitt at 7-5. and five. I think they're going to be much improved from last year, but their schedule doesn't allow them to. Penn State at 9-3. and three. And I got West by God, Virginia at eleven and one. Oh my God! Eleven and one, baby, that old golden blue. Joke. It's West Virginia. It's West Virginia, the pride of every mountaineer. Then for the playoff, I got Bama, I got Clemson, I got Wisconsin, and I got West Virginia. How's that for a future playoff time capsule, Tom? You were you were on the right track for. The first two picks because I have Pitt at seven and five, yeah, and I have Penn State at nine and three as well. But then you just went off the rails with West Virginia, man. Like, what's with that? The homerism really creeping in that much in this official prediction? Transparency, the number one virtue of the Crowley Show, right? Yes, I had West Virginia at ten and two, but I also had him in the playoffs, so that's not going to happen. So I had to give him an extra win. So I have West Virginia at eight and four. That's terrible. No, that's exactly where they're going to finish at, right in front of Pitt by one game, right behind Penn State by one game, smack dab in the middle. And then in my playoff, I got Alabama, Clemson, no way, Washington, whoa, and Ohio State. Dude, you've been down on Washington for so long. I was just looking at the rankings though, and I was like, you know what? That purple W looks really sexy right now. It does Husky, Brian Husky style? I got Pitt six and six. It's wrong. Tom. My turn. It's his turn. Give him the floor, please. I've got Pitt at six and six, Tom. We need Jack Bauer to come in here and chloroform Tom because he's yeah. just been cut. I need a Humvee with a poisonous dart right now. West Virginia, eight and four. Get the hell out of here with eight and four. I got to agree with Tom on it. That's nothing. Will Greer can't win the Heisman at eight and four. Okay, you guys are both going to hate me. Penn State, ten and two. No! Oh! <laughs> and I hate Penn State. I think Penn State has a chance to be better than last year, too. I like their offensive line. They don't have Saquon Barkley. Obviously a huge deal, but the defense is good. Trace McSorley is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. But their schedule's a bear, too. And that's what I worry about with Pitt and Penn State. I don't want people to think I'm a Pitt and Penn State hater. I mean, I am. But this is me looking at the schedules. I think Pitt is... On the right track this year. I think the defense is going to be much improved. Their front seven should be really good. They got all of Pat Narduzzi's guys in here finally. And Kenny Pickett, I don't think they're just blowing smoke. I think he's going to be a good player. He's mobile. And if you're mobile in college football and athletic, then you can be a really good quarterback. I think they'll be good. But their schedule stinks. I mean, they're going to lose to Penn State. I think they're going to lose to UCF. They're going to lose to Notre Dame. It's just not an easy schedule, and they're going to trip up along the way because their talent isn't that far above the rest of the teams they play in the Coast. They'll probably lose to Virginia Tech and Miami as well. As for the playoff, Tom, you could be in a world of hurt if Washington loses to Auburn tomorrow. Yeah, but in the same breath, I feel like they kind of have an out playing such a good team so early. They don't, They can though. lose that game and still they get in. They don't, though, because they don't have a way to pull themselves back. That 
it depends though. That depends on how USC and Stanford do for the beginning of the year. So if they end up playing Stanford and Stanford's like number six in the country, it's a quality win again. You jump right back into the fold. I look at all those teams in the Pac-12 as potential three, four loss teams. Watch out for Oregon too in the Pac-12. Herbert, got a man, great quarterback. Yeah, he's really good. Great quarterbacks are supposed to be a big deal, aren't they, Tom? They yeah, West are. Virginia's only going yeah. eight and four. Um, I mean, so you have to bring up quarterbacks. We are talking about football. I have not seen one prediction. Yeah, but we're going to end up talking about Will Greer. Well, I will. Yeah, I'm thinking sorry. about him. The eight and four man. Got my Will Greer jersey on today. Will Greer eight and four. Uh, will Greer Heisman. I haven't seen one <laughs> prediction anywhere across the landscape that has that doesn't have Alabama and Clemson in their final four. Every single one does. And honestly, if you just, if you just want to be smart, there's no reason not to pick Alabama to win the national championship everywhere every year. You'll look smarter. Tom, get ready to play this entire segment back after Washington loses to Auburn coming up tomorrow. Coming up next, Fat Jack will tell us which games to bet on, who to pick. He's from FatJack.com. You're listening to The Crowley Show.